It's time with Pastor Mike Kessler starts now. This is It's Time, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship, home of CSN International, featuring Pastor Mike Kessler, Senior Pastor at the River. Today, Pastor Mike is going to be teaching in the book of 1 Samuel. Located way back in the Old Testament, the books of 1 and 2 Samuel are the legacy that reveals the change from God-appointed judges over the people to the kingdom era, where the Jews are ruled over by a king both a departure from God's ways and a foreshadow of God's ways. With our study on the book of 1 Samuel, here's Pastor Mike. Did he do what God said to do? Go attack the Amalekite, or Amalek, utterly destroy all that they have, do not spare them, but kill both man and woman, infant, nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. That's the command, okay? Now, noteworthy, this is the second command that God has given to Saul. Now, first of all, I see something interesting here. I see that even though Saul miserably failed the first time concerning God, God gave him another chance. Now, this tells me a little bit about God in that even in Saul's unrepentance and him being very, very hard-hearted towards the Lord, nevertheless, God still continues to work with Saul. Now, again, friends, I look at this and you think back of what Jesus said, a smoking flax he will not quench, a bruised reed he will not break. You say, you say, what? What he's saying is this, a smoking flax, he won't quench. If there's any sign of life, any, any sign of flame, uh, you know, it's like, a, when, you know, like you guys are going out on your camp trips. You get up in the morning and the campfire's gone out and you see a few coals laid there and you're, <laughs> you're trying to blow on them to get them to go back into a flame again so you can cook your pancakes. Well, that's what it's talking about. If God sees any any fire at all there, he's going to blow on it and whip it into a flame again. He's not going to quench it and put it out. And a broken reed, the Bible says, he won't break. And that would simply means is this. If there's, if there's a, you know, even though, have you ever seen one of those, like, those plants, those house plants, and, and like, it, it'll be broken and it hangs down and it kind of gets a brown edge? Well, the, the obvious thing is to do is cut it off or break it off. Well, the Bible says God won't do that concerning us. We may be broken, but God's not going to pull you off and get rid of you. I think that's pretty neat. God will always, there's the, there's uh, several um, things to always remember. One of that is, is God is the God of the second chance. But he's also the God of the third chance and the fourth chance and the fifth chance and et cetera, et cetera. And I think one of the neat things about the way the Lord works in our lives is simply is this. We're all bozos on this bus. We've all blown it. We've all come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. And by the way, friends, that's present tense if you're, in, if you're an English major, which tells me that uh, it's not something that, it's, uh, that we do on our own. It's something that God does through it. But he says he will not break it clear off. And so if your heart's been broken... Maybe there's something you've done and it didn't come out right or you sinned against the Lord. Listen, he'll restore it. He'll, he'll bring it back. And so he gives the command again uh, to Saul to go out now and wipe out the Amalekites for what they did to the children of Israel as they came across the desert. It's interesting. Something always remember. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And so eventually that will catch up. And so it did with Amalek. And so it says that they laid in wait 
And they took Agag alive and they kept the very best animals. But it says the, 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 the despised things, you know, the sheep with one eye, you know, and like four legs or three, three legs or whatever. Like the old story about the guy that saw this three-legged pig as he's driving in. And he says, I saw a three-legged pig out there. He says, I've only got three legs. And he says, oh, yeah, that pig. He goes, that's a miracle pig, man. He goes, really? He goes, yeah. He says, one time our house caught on fire and the pig ran into the house and grabbed my three children, drug them out on the lawn. Then pretty soon, it wasn't very much longer after that, 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 um, that the, one of the kids was down swimming in the pond and started drowning. The pig jumped in the water, swam out there and, and pulled him up to shore. And he goes, that's amazing. But why does he only have three legs? He goes, well, pig that good. You only eat one leg at a time. Sorry about that. Ah. Uh-huh. But all the things that were detestable, those are the things that Saul destroyed. The best things he kept. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, verse 11, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned, uh, he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it is, and it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. It's interesting that Samuel felt that because he obeyed God, uh, that, that, um, and, and I don't think Samuel was blaming himself, but I think he saw what the destiny of Israel was going to be now with this person. Because again, Samuel many times had corrected him. We remember the last time he said what have you done and so we find that uh, uh, Saul's heart was very hard against God and notice it says that I have set Saul up as king for he's turned his back from following me now the first thing we need to understand here is did God know that Saul was going to do that well of course there's a lot of things can God can't do people say God can do anything well there's some things that God can't do there's a lot of them, but, but one of them, you say, well, Mike, I thought God, no, 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 God can't lie. God can't learn. He knows everything. Nothing, uh, nothing hits God by surprise. And, and, and so, uh, again, you, you and your Christian experience, you say, well, I accepted the Lord, and then I went out and blew it, and I know God's ashamed of me, and I just want to give up. God knew you were going to blow it and still called you into his kingdom when the voice of the Holy Spirit made sense in your heart that you needed to receive him as your Savior. So, so know that, that God is never overwhelmed or taken by surprise of anything that we do. But from our perspective, I believe that this is why sometimes we don't see it the way God sees it. And I'm certainly sure that this is a part, in part, what we find here where he says that it grieved him that he sent him up as king over Israel. But again, remember when God anointed Saul king over Israel. Basically, he said, a man you wanted, a man you got. And we even remember that Samuel was so grieved that the Lord inspired him to uh, bring hail down on their wheat harvest right when it was ready to be harvested. So, uh, uh, because they demanded a king. So it says here that Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul. And it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel. And indeed, he has set up a monument for himself. Do you think this guy had an eye problem at all? 
I set up a monument for myself. Yay, me. You ever been around people who toot their horn? You know, isn't that, isn't that kind of the craziest thing, you know, when they're always telling you about how great they are and all these different things? Uh, well, this is basically what he was doing. And he's gone on and around and passed by and come down to Gilgal. Then Samuel went to Saul. And Saul said to him, Blessed are you of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. <laughs> Liar. <laughs> he did not. And I think what's noteworthy here is that either one of two things. He fulfilled it in his own interpretation or he's flat out lying. Either one of them is unacceptable to God. Now, there's a lot of people today that think they're a Christian. In fact, in some of the recent polls that have been taken nationally, they say something like 85% of America say they're Christian. Yet less than 5% believe that the Bible is the infallible Word of God. So if you say you're a Christian, but you don't believe what the Bible has to say, then what do you base your Christianity upon? It's got to be a Christianity in our own viewpoint and what I think a Christian is. If a person says, well, I believe a Christian is a very moral person, that's very generous, that gives 10% of their income, that doesn't rob, cheat, steal from anybody, that doesn't slander their neighbor or, or uh, uh, you, know, um, uh, you know, steal their newspaper on Sunday because it's bigger. Or, or, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't, you know, and occasionally will, will do something. Many people believe in America today that's what a Christian is. Somebody who follows the teachings of Christ. Now, doesn't that sound like what a Christian is? But that's not what a Christian is. A Christian, the Bible says, is somebody who has confessed Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and has accepted what Christ did for them on the cross and that God has forgiven their sins, delivered them from hell, and now they live as a response to that relationship. Their lives reflect the glory of God. And so uh, we have a lot of people with a lot of different definitions of what is and what isn't godly. Well, again, friends, this is one of the problem that Saul had. Either one, he was lying. And, and I, I think a lot of times we, we, we run into people like that. People say they're Christians and we look at them and say, are you lying to me or are you deceived? Because something's not right here. Well, notice, he says... And oh, by the way, if you're gonna, if you're gonna do something spiritual, cloak it in, in religious words. Blessed are you of the Lord, he says to Samuel. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. But Samuel said, then what is this bleeding of sheep in my ears and the lowing of the oxen that I hear? You know, I mean, he's sitting there going, I perform what God said to do. And in the background, you hear, I mean, excuse me, um, what you didn't do is very obvious to anybody that's standing around. Now, Saul said, they have brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord your God. Notice that. Not my God or our God. Your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. Then Samuel said, shut up. He said, be quiet. 
you know, you know, a lot of times you're not going to hear God's voice until we are. And uh, this guy was in the middle of making his excuses why he did what he did. They brought this rest back to uh, spared the best, the sheep and oxen, to sacrifice to the Lord. Doesn't that sound spiritual? A lot of times people will cloak their deceit in spirituality, friends. It happens all the way through the Bible. You find the Pharisees always attacking Jesus, and they were cloaking it in religious garb, you might say. Well, the Bible, or they say, well, you know, Moses and the, or the law and the prophets taught us Jesus. But what do you say? And they were always trying to catch Jesus at his words. And which, which is always an interesting thing because, see, they never had an eye for the good of what Jesus was doing. But they were always looking to say, aha, we finally got him. Which tells you that the real nature of their heart is from, from, from the dark side anyway. And they were motivated by the devil. Because God doesn't go around following us, just waiting for us to do something wrong. The Bible says His mercy endures forever. Now again, we talked about why God doesn't want us to sin, because, because the consequences are, are, are bad, and, but that doesn't mean God did those consequences. The, 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 that's the natural result of what sin does. So He says, Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord has said to me last night. And he said to him, say on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? And did not the Lord anoint you king over Israel? Now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do this evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, I'm really sorry. No, it doesn't say that. But I have obeyed the voice of the Lord and have gone on the mission which the Lord had sent me and brought back Agag, king of the Amalekites, and I have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep and the oxen and the best things which should have been utterly destroyed and sacrificed to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion, for rebellion is as of the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is iniquity and idolatry. And the reason why is because you're doing what you think. You've, you've set yourself up as the, as the standard rather than God. And so that's why, uh, it says stubbornness and iniquity are idolatry. Because you've rejected the word of the Lord, God has rejected you from being king. Bang. Wow. That's pretty serious. Now, now notice, he begins his excuses. Again, notice he fires them off. He says, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. Back in verse 20. Well, here's the problem with it. He didn't. Now, now again, friends, uh, uh, this, I think there's a day of reckoning where we, we have to look at, at, at things in our life. And we have to say, well, God, am I really doing what you want me to do? Are you really, you know, and, and, and the thing is, you know, if it's not, repent. That's all we got to do. Say, God, I'm sorry. Man. Ah, 
I need you to help and heal me up here because I'm a mess. Now, he says, notice, but the people. Now, now this is he's blaming somebody else. Hey, you're the king. You're the one God anointed. You're the one in charge. Then be that and do that. But no, it's the people. Took of the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed and sacrificed to the Lord your God in Gilgal. And you know what's interesting here? Samuel didn't let him get away with it. Samuel just simply looked at him and said, you know what? To obey is greater than to sacrifice. Obedience. You know, that's what a lot of people, if you think about it, what they're trying to do to approach God nowadays. They're saying, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. Yeah, I guess, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I give of my money and I, I, I do this and I do that. And, and they're always talking about the sacrifices that they do. But you know, the Bible says to obey. And what does the Bible say concerning obedience? They came to Jesus one time and they said, what, what, what must we do to inherit eternal life? What is the work that we must do? Now, the minute that somebody says work, you think of different things. And depending on what cult you may be in, depends on what they might be. It might be selling flowers in airports or going door to door or, uh, you know, eating organically grown food or, you know, something along that lines. It can be many different things depending on what particular religion you're in. And so they came to Jesus and they said, Jesus, what is the work that we must do to inherit eternal life? The work. What do I got to do? And you know what Jesus said? Believe that the Father has sent me. Wow. Believe that the Father has sent me. Yeah. Believe that he is God's Messiah. That's the work. In other words, the only work we can do is to initiate our faith and saying, okay, God, I receive what you've done for me. That's it. And from then on, it's God's work through us that causes us to be what we are. It's not something that we generate in ourselves any longer. And so it's, it's noteworthy here that all Samuel had to do was simply just obey what God had said. But he said, because you won't do that, now God has rejected you of being king. So Saul said to Samuel, verse 24, I have sinned. I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord uh, and your words because I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Now, question, is this another excuse? Or is this what really happened? Well, either way, it doesn't make any difference. You ever, ever seen those, those, um, uh, you just get caught in something? Because if, if it was the voice of the people that did this, then he was not acting as a king. In other words, the people were in charge. It wasn't really him. Or if it's a lie, he's covering for his own iniquity. So either way, he's in trouble. It's like the old story about, um, these two girls, they played hooky from school. And, 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 and they, they came back the next day. It was a nice, wonderful spring day, and they decided not to go to school. And so the teacher says, well, where were you yesterday? And they said, well, we had to run down to the store, and we came back, and, and, and we, we had a flat tire, and, and so uh, we, we were, were late, and that's why we, we, we did because we had to get a tow truck and come and change the tire and everything. And so she said, oh, really? Well, she said, I want you to sit over here. And I want you to sit over here. And then she looked at them both and said, which tire was flat? Well, you had a one in four chance of getting it right. 
But you see, the thing is, is that when the story hasn't been thought through, the lies will show up. Well, the problem is, in the particular case of Saul, when he didn't think through what he was saying, his excuses exposed his inability to lead. Well, he says, Samuel said to Saul, notice it says, but Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you. Oh, excuse me, let's go to verse 25. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. And Samuel turned around to go away, and Saul seized the edge of his robe, and it tore. Now, this is interesting to me, because first of all, he grabbed a prophet of God, and that's something you just don't do. The Bible says, uh, uh, you know, back off of God's anointed, even though sometimes they can be weird, you don't do that. Second thing it says, interestingly enough here, is it says that he seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So that tells me he had to really be a yanking hard. That wasn't just, hey buddy, as a matter of fact, let me grab, you know. It was, he was trying to pull him back. So Samuel looked at him, said to him, The Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to a neighbor of yours who is better than you. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor relent for he is not a man that he should relent. And, but he's saying here, um, that God is not going to relent on this, that it's, that you've, this is, this is it. Then he said, I have sinned. Yet honor me now, please, before the elders of my people and before Israel, and return with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel turned back after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. It is interesting, we see a man here that is very, very confused in his relationship with God. He wants God, but he still wants it his own way. James says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And so we see this double-mindedness in, in his, his, his attempt to lead Israel. And it's, it's a tragedy because we see this man who could have been such a great impact for the kingdom of heaven and, and, and the nation of Israel, and yet because he was about himself. You know, it's interesting, after the victory, as we read just a few minutes ago, after the victory, he didn't fall on his knees and give glory to God. It says that he erected a monument to himself. <laughs> That's pretty weird. And so, then Samuel said, Bring Agag, the king of the Amalekites, to me. So Agag came to him cautiously. And Agag said, Surely the bitterness of death is past. This is what he was saying to himself. You see, he, um, he thought that this old prophet of God is not going to be that big of an issue. Is what he's saying. But Samuel said, As your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel, now this is very unusual, hacked Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Now, you look at this and you, you say, what is going on here? Saul was supposed to have done this job. But God's will 
will be accomplished. And who he had originally given that job to when he didn't do it, God had Samuel do it. And Samuel did, as a matter of fact, do that. Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in in Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel went no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, speaking of of, uh, Saul's death, nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he had made Saul king over Israel. Now, when we get into chapter 16 next week, we're going to see that God anoints David to be the next king of Israel. Now, it's because even though Saul was still the king over Israel, spiritually speaking, that had died the day that Saul pulled on Samuel's robe and tore it. And he said, God has rent this from you this day. So it is interesting that now you might say he's just coasting. You know, like sometimes you might find that oftentimes when you were a kid, you'd ride your bike real fast and then you'd stop pedaling and the bike just slowly slows down. It's the coasting down. Well, Saul was in that descent now because uh, God had made his declaration on him that basically he found that Saul was not going to do what uh, God had called him to do. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to invite you to grab the free podcast of its time by hopping on the iTunes store and downloading your own copy. If you like having the disc, you can give us a call at 800-357-4226 to place your order for First Samuel. From Pastor Mike, myself, and all of us here at the River, thanks for tuning in to It's Time.